Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care. Enjoy the podcast. Live from an attic somewhere in the north, this is The Late Show with Tom Stuff. Good evening. So tonight we are going to be talking about accessibility issues in digital learning. This show may also be called I Cannot Stand PDFs and I've got an hour and a half to tell you why. So if you're into that kind of thing, please stick with me. We're going to have a very, very interesting evening talking about tech, accessibility, disability, assistive technology and all that good stuff. Live from an attic somewhere in the north, this is The Late Show with Tom Starkey. Tune in live at ttradio.org <coughs> or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Forgot to turn my mic off on the in- intro there and I just... Uh, I just ended up coughing. <laughs> it doesn't really fit in with the whole kind of bombastic, hey, let's let's do this. There's me going, sorry, sorry. So I'm, I've got to remember to do that next time. Okay, good evening, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on this Sunday evening. I'm here in the attic in Leeds. It's freezing cold. I've got two jumpers on. But what I'd like to talk to you tonight is I'd like to talk to you a little bit about assistive technology, disability, accessibility and digital learning. Digital learning is what we're going to be on about today, everybody. Digital learning has become massive, massive the last few years due to that their pandemic thing, but also the build up to the pandemic. It was it was it was it it was the buzzword, digital learning. We've got to make sure digital learning is happening. We've got to make sure that learning is digital. If it's not digital, we've got to digitize the not digital learning, make sure it's all good. But um, I want to take a step back. I'm doing one of those things in these shows where I'm combining my my day job with my uh, stint here on uh, Teach Talk Radio. Um, uh, it's been a really, really good day on the shows. We've had some fantastic people calling in, and I'm here to just kind of uh, lessen the average <laughs> as it were. So we're going to be talking about accessibility issues in digital learning. If you have any comments, please, you can always um, uh, put your tuppence worth on Twitter uh, at TT Radio uh, 2022. I'm still on my kind of uh, social media fast. I will be, I'll I'll be off social media for a year um, until I get a book written. People say like, oh, is it going to be a book about education? No, no, it's not. I've, I've written everything I possibly can about education. There's only so much you can say, you know, and then it just turns into kind of uh, repetitive ranting. Now, I'm all for repetitive ranting. I quite like it, do, like doing that, you know, in general, but it's not really something that a lot of people want to read. No, 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 it's going to be a different kind of book. But anyway, that's my own business. Um, and accessibility when it comes to digital learning is everybody's business. Um, usually I have a little section in every show where I talk about assistive technology. I talk about, you know, ah, this is the assistive technology bit. 
digital learning uh, disability equality this is the whole show today this is my this is my this is kind of like this is my this is my house now uh, my day job is assistive technology advisor for a um, uh, a uh, higher education institution and so I am combining these two things, my day job, my evening stint on the radio, because I've got to get a lot off my chest tonight. Not that I'm using this as a personal therapy, but I'm basically using this as a personal therapy. So uh, we're going to be talking about accessibility, accessibility issues in digital learning. We're going to be talking about what some of the most common barriers are when it comes to accessibility and when we're talking about digital learning we're talking about anything anything that it doesn't necessarily have to be learning materials it can be like forward-facing uh material that your school your university your college whatever has um what does it look like can it be accessed by everyone can it be accessed by everyone including people with disabilities so that's the focus tonight. Please ring in if you want to. Um, uh, the uh, the the, um, the lines. I don't know if there's lines or one line or half a line, uh, but the lines are open for tonight. We're allowed to talk this evening. Um, uh, so uh, uh, please come in and have your say. Um, I'm I'm not going about this in a particularly mannered or a particularly kind of uh, um, kind of balanced way. My job is to help students to access their learning through different assistive technologies, whether that be screen readers, whether that be uh, screen adaptation uh, technology, whether it be the use of audio recorders in lectures and seminars and then transcription software to help uh, get those ideas down somewhere. So um, this, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is from a personal place, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. This is a personal place for me um, because it's my bread and butter it's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis and hopefully feedback wise I do it all right you know um, uh, you know I'm not the, I'm not I'm not the best in the world at anything apart from maybe uh, uh, drinking copious amounts of coffee after 8 p.m. when I'm trying to talk to people um, but yeah I said in the intro this might this might well end up being an hour and a half of me ranting about pdfs so that's where we're going to start we're not going to do tom in fact we'll, yeah yeah we will we'll, we'll hang on here we go here's the first one ah no tom's tech tips aren't working ironic ironic indeed um but here's the first one this is all tom's tech tips but this is not really tom's tech tips this is tom's kind of fairly aggressive warnings on what you should be doing when it comes to accessibility of digital learning materials so um what am i talking about well there are barriers in digital learning there's this this idea that digital learning was uh, you know and you know when the pandemic happened when people had to stay at home that it was a great leveler for dis disabled students in many cases it was you know mobility issues uh, around uh, attending the same physical space wasn't such a barrier um uh, enabling uh enabling uh, yourself to get yourself to a particular place at, didn't need to do it that was great uh, students with chronic illness, um, you know, could stay at home in a comfortable environment using the technology that they were familiar with. Fantastic. However, however, it wasn't the it wasn't the be all and end all of everything. You know, there are certain challenges when it comes to digital learning, when it comes to um, excuse me for a second. I'm just kind of messing around with my different uh, programs and so on and so forth. I've got a lot of those uh, those little um, 
those little circles that go around and around and tell you that things aren't particularly working very well this evening. Um, that is both on my screen and perhaps actually in my head. Um, so there are lots of barriers still. Digital learning, um, remote learning, if you uh, you know, or digital, or or just digital products when it comes to education. Um, it doesn't mean that. Uh, it solves all the accessibility issues that disabled students and disabled staff have on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't. I mean, it'd be lovely if it did, but that's not the way uh, the world works. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things. We're going to talk about the barriers. You know, we're not, you know, we're going to talk about the barriers. We're going to talk about some of the things that, that people come across when it comes to digital learning and some of the issues that they face. We're starting with PDFs. I don't care. I'm going in hard. Uh, PDFs. So PDFs. And all of this stuff that I'm going to be talking about tonight, this is derived from the WCAG guidelines that when it comes to digital information, forward-facing public uh, institutions, uh, the WCAG guidelines are in place to try and ensure that everybody can access uh, digital material. Fantastic things. Um, and uh, if you haven't already had a look at some of the points that are in this, you don't have to be a, a technologist. You don't have to be an accessibility specialist. You just have to have, have to have a little bit of an interest into the ways that people access learning materials. That's And, and the WCAG guidelines, this is some of the stuff that I've derived from it. And these are some of the issues that come across, that I come across fairly regularly, unfortunately, a bit too regularly for my liking. But anyway, um, we're going to start with PDFs. So PDF start for portable, uh, stands for portable document format, um, in case you didn't know. In my line of work, it stands for pretty damn frustrating. Um, PDFs are used to share documents. Um, it was envisaged that they were used to lock down documents uh, for archiving or for printing. And it's that lockdown nature of PDFs that is frustrating in regards to accessibility because um, yeah, a PDF's only ever accessible as the kind of original that it's from. So if somebody has created that PDF with accessibility in mind, and when we talk about accessibility in PDFing, PDFing, you know, the verb PDFing that I've just, I've just, you know, I've just created. When we talk about that kind of thing, basically what we're really talking about is accurate tagging. And I'll get onto that a little bit later on. Um, I've got me, uh, me big geeky glasses on tonight. So we're going to take a deep dive into certain things like tagging, like, uh, um, uh, all sorts of different tech stuff that is useful and is, um, is really, really relevant when it comes to accessibility. So, uh, yeah, PDFs, right? Can you can you hear the bile in my voice when I say those those three little letters? PDFs are only ever accessible uh, as the original document. So, if the person who created the original document knows about accessibility and has ensured that the things in the PDF are accessible, then the PDF is going to be great. You know, it's going to be able to access. And what we're talking about when we talk about tagging is. Um, uh, are the things in the PDF identified as to what they are? For instance, the title, the heading, the subheading, and so on and so forth. If that hasn't happened, then 
uh, when it comes to perhaps using a screen reader, if you can, in fact, use a screen reader. Some PDFs are so locked down that they don't allow uh, the use of any assistive technology. However, Adobe has its own screen reader, and there's there's third-party screen readers, um, uh, third-party uh, text-to-speech programs. Those two aren't the same thing, but we'll make that that's that's for a different time. Um, so the PDF is only ever accessible as it was when it was created. And if, uh, and if there hasn't been that thought in accessibility right at the beginning, then PDFs are, can be a nightmare when it comes to the use of assistive technology with documentation. So when we talk about an accessible PDF, what we're really talking about is we're talking about a correctly tagged PDF, which means, and when we're talking about tagging, think about it like this. It means that the document is divided up into kind of logical, navigatable chunks, and the navigation is really important. It's basically a labeling system that tells assistive technology like a screen reader, this is the heading, this is the subheading, these are bullet points, this is an image, that image has a description of alt text on it. And if those things are there, that's great. PDFs inherently aren't inaccessible or accessible. However, what they are, unfortunately, is incredibly locked down sometimes. So um, here's a tip, all right? If you have a PDF, if you say, say your school VLC, you're sharing information to uh, parents, carers, other stakeholders, if you have a PDF, check that it's tagged and you can do that in adobe and you can do that in other programs so there's just there's a little checkbox and it says tagged yes or no if it is great then you have to check whether that tagging is accurate or not and the reason that you do this imagine you were uh, given a document and then uh, that document was in no particular order whatsoever. If a PDF isn't tagged properly, that's what it's like when you're using a screen reader. Or in fact, if you're using keyboard input, uh, many of my students have mobility issues, which mean that navigating, um, navigating a document, they can only use a keyboard. And so tagging allows a logical sequence, allows you to use a keyboard to navigate, allows you to use a screen reader to uh, orientate yourself in the page in the geography of the screen and i think i've talked about that a little bit um before um so if you are going to use a pdf please and if you have the choice of creating a pdf take some time to tag the pdf and if you don't know what that means google it you know google it if you want to try and get this information to every member of your school your school community your entire community you have to take the time to do that or, and here's a here's another way, um, you know, offer offer an alternative format. You know, don't just offer PDF on its own. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't offer a PDF on its own. Um, you know, offer a PDF, uh, offer a Word document format. Sometimes when it comes to assistive technology, Word is a little bit friendlier. Put it on an HTML page. You know, HTML is like a, a soothing balm of uh, assistive technology friendliness after a graze of pdfs so um so when um so if you're gonna share information and you're sharing information through pdf offer another offer another format offer an alternative format and you know bob's your uncle um sorry i've got like kind of like beeps and 
oh, my CD drive's going absolutely mental. Like I've learned, like I've used that in the last three, four years. Anyway, all right. Um, so PDFs, bleh, but if you have to use them, tag them, or if you have to use them, um, don't just use them uh, on the on their own. Have an alternative file format that can also be shared. Um, so, speaking of alternative file formats and documentation, let's have a look at within the documentation. Um, so, you have a Word document, you maybe have a PDF, maybe you have a hyperlink in that PDF. You press on that hyperlink, it takes you on a journey through the interweb to get you somewhere else. Now, um, that's great, but when we talk about hyperlinks, um, uh, some assistive technology, such as screen readers in this case, um, they read out the letters that make up the hyperlink. It doesn't recognize a hyperlink as a hyperlink in and of itself. And if it does, it still reads out exactly what's on the page for that hyperlink. So with that in mind, if you're creating a document and you have a hyperlink, right, what you need to do is you just describe what the link is. Don't, don't, don't have this kind of like a, uh, click here, okay? Because click here doesn't offer you any information when it comes to description. If you have click here, you have to then click onto a page that may not be immediately uh, accessible and you, you're, you're struggling around. So when you have a hyperlink, when you're linking something, all right, use the edit hyperlink feature. If you're on a Word document, it's a right click and then you've got a list of uh, right click on the hyperlink and then you can edit the description of that particular hyperlink. And in that description, instead of you know something like click here or something along the lines, just give a simple description of what the hyperlink is. Uh, uh, link to so-and-so document or link to YouTube video or so on and so forth. Um, just to give a heads up to people who may not have, uh, the, uh, who may not have um, uh, foresight or may be using assistive technology that relies on the description of the words on the screen. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully some of this, hopefully this stuff is a little bit useful. This is not me saying, well, a little bit is, but it's not fully me in this show saying, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. What I'm hoping to do with this particular show is just increase awareness a little bit of some of the things that that students and staff have to go through um, who are disabled, who, year, who, who use assistive technology. So, where were we? PDFs, they suck. Use another, use another file format if you can, but make sure that you can, a screen reader can read them properly with tags if you need to re use those. Um, uh, hyperlinks, make sure you, in your hyperlink, edit the hyperlink with a description of what that hyperlink is. If you're using a hyperlink and you don't edit it, at all and you just leave it and you know some of those hyperlinks to zoom meetings or hyperlinks to um teams meetings they they go on forever you know they go it's like it's it's like a hundred a hundred random letters imagine if you're using a screen reader you have to listen to all that kind of stuff and it's like what who what's what what yes it's a link great what's it about it's zero four four three none six nobody needs that nobody's got time for that all right so if you're using hyperlinks in documentation Edit the hyperlink with a description of what the hyperlink is. Easy win, guys. Easy peasy, okay? Easy win. Doesn't take any time at all. Doesn't take any time at all. So, um, right, so 
talked a little bit about documentation. We're talking a little bit about the old pen and paper, the old quill and parchment. So we're going to move to uh, uh, multimedia and we're going to talk a little bit now about video content. Say your forward-facing website has video content within it. Um, now, captioning is very important. Captioning is very important for students and staff, uh, any, 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 st any stakeholder that wants to get all the information that you are sharing. So, you know, ensure your videos are captioned. If you're unsure how to do that, or if you're worried about kind of the accuracy of captioning, there's a couple of things that you can do. I have to create oh, a lot of videos, uh, usually instructional tools, sometimes instructional tools, uh, explaining instructional tools in a kind of strange inception thing. But um, if you are, uh, if you if you think, okay, oh gosh, the captioning video, you don't have to necessarily do the captioning by hand. There are many products out there that will auto caption for you. And then you can use that auto caption uh, facility as a basis of your full uh, as a, of your full captioning system. So, for instance, um, uh, Microsoft Stream auto captions video content. Uh, YouTube, if you upload to YouTube, you don't have to share it. You put it in private. It auto captions video content, and you can use that as a basis. And it saves you so much time to get captioning into your video. Really, really important. Really important. Um, because, you know, you, you create these fantastic medias. We want to share them with the community. We want to share them as widely as possible. Um, but what you're doing if you don't caption your video is that you're taking away information from people. And that's not what you want to be doing. So, yeah, Stream, uh, Microsoft Stream, auto-captions. YouTube, auto-captions. Uh, if um, you have podcasts or if you have audio, uh, you want to um, you want to have the audio of a, uh, of a poetry um, spoken by the poet, and you want to share that on your VLC, or you want to share any other kind of audio. Um, uh, have a transcription, have a transcription, have an alternative. It's about covering your basis. It's about having an alternative to all these things that you're sharing. Um, transcription, once again, uh, much like captioning. Uh, audio transcription, there are tools out there that do, do it automatically. Word for the Web has a transcription feature where you can directly upload audio files in MP3 format or video files in MP4 um, to Word, and it will transcribe it for you with timestamps, with um, uh, identification of different speakers. Um, Otter AI, a third-party app that does a, a really, really good job of that kind of thing have give people who don't necessarily give people who don't necessarily um, have access to a particular way of doing things give people alternatives and that I mean this isn't just for disabled students either or disabled staff this is for um, a large percentage of people now use subtitles constantly when they're watching television you know, so this is, I mean, this isn't all these tips, all these things about accessibility. It's not just for disabled people. It's best practice. You know, it's best practice. Give people the chance to access the information and do that by giving them options. If you have a video, have captioning. If you have a PDF, also include a Word version or an HTML 
page. These kind of things, just think a little bit far, a little bit wider, you know. We're going to talk about one of the issues when it comes to accessibility and the and digital resources and digital learning, which is conceptualization of the other when it comes to development of these tools and development of these websites. But that's for the heavy kind of ending part of this particular show. So um, PDFs, they suck. Uh, hyperlinks uh, have a description of where they go. Uh, caption your video content. You can do it for free on stream you can do it for free on youtube can you see the pattern here none of this stuff is like kind of like massively complicated none of this stuff is uh none of this stuff's going to take you hours don't get me wrong this does take extra effort yeah um i think there's this kind of there's this thing i i can't i've been in meetings with companies where i've given them information about some of the things that are inaccessible on their website and they've seen this as a burden for developers cannot stand cannot stand that mind view cannot stand it is absolutely ridiculous but um these things are you know easy wins they do take time you do have to think about them you do have to conceptualize people who don't necessarily use traditional ways of doing things when it comes to the digital world um but it should be part of your offer anyway schools education educational institutions inclusivity is this thing that is hammered home all the time and that but that's not just in ethos it should be in practice and inclusivity when it comes to digital material is uh, incredibly important so important in fact that it's uh, it's enshrined in law so if if i'm not convincing you with all these things just just think about you know what might happen if uh, if uh, somebody gets wind that your uh, digital learning materials aren't accessible, you know, um, it's a bit mean, but I like I like having a little bit of the old uh, a little bit of the old stick with the carrot, you know, you know, a little bit of the old baseball bat with the cupcake. Anyway, right, we'll do one more and then um, I'll put the news on if I can, because Tom's tech tips, the sound on that, the wheel is still running around so we'll see what happens i might need a little bit of a refresh of the browser i think anyway um another one back to documents okay another easy one it's already in place it's already available you don't need to go anywhere else to do it when you're writing a document all right and it's back to that kind of tagging identifying what's going on use the styles in word use the styles that break down the different things on the screen into things like heading, title, heading, subheading. And if you've got a series of documents, a range of documents that you're trying to share, try to make them as consistent as possible. Um, and that goes the same to all your digital materials, whether it be learning materials, whether it be information sharing, all that kind of stuff. Try and be as consistent in your formatting as you can. Now, the reason for that is that what that means it means less cognitive load for somebody who is accessing this material it means familiarity you know like your your web pages your documents your uh, you know on the vlc all that kind of stuff um consistency and familiar well familiarity and repetition it's the starting point for ease of use so when you are creating documents have have a style and use the style the style is already there in word you know 
um, use them because if you use a style, what that means is that the kind of tagging in Word is already there. You don't have to worry about well, is this has this been um, has this been kind of tagged as is. If you use the style, that happens use that happens automatically. Okay, so we're back now. We're talking about accessibility of digital learning materials. Uh, it is difficult because there's always this kind of contradiction between kind of aesthetics and usability. Design's really fun when you're designing these materials. It's a really fun thing to do. But just have a think about certain things such as color contrast. So if you have a page or a document, people people say, well, you know, what's people ask me, what's the best color contrast to make sure that it's accessible as anyone? It's not really about that. What it's about, it's about ensuring that there is, uh, you can't really find the perfect color contrast for as many people as possible. But what you can do is you can identify if there's a lack of color contrast. It's really straightforward, it's common sense. All you need to do is, so for instance, if you have blue text on a light blue background, there's not enough contrast there to make it easily visible for someone who might have particular visual impairment or uh, might have um, other issues when it comes to vision. Uh, you know, it's not rocket science, this. It's not rocket science. And people kind of get hepped up on the details in regards to uh, colors, what colors work best, what contrast. It's not really about what works best. It's about just identifying what's not going to work. And that's fairly straightforward. You know, similar colors together uh, mean that it's there's less contrast. Less contrast means that there is... Uh, more difficulty in identifying what's on the page and that's not just about text either that's about uh, are your buttons a different color to the rest of your page is anything that's important on your document or on your page does it stand out visually and that's you know it's, it's an easy win like I said it's an easy win um, something that can be fixed uh, lickety split as it were. So, um, yeah, have a think about color contrast in your design. Is color the only differential in a design? Um, I'm thinking maybe like a quiz pro, uh, you know, a quiz app or something along those lines. Um, is a difference in color the only thing that makes something different from something else? If that's the case, then there are people out there who are colorblind, who won't be able to differentiate certain uh, certain images or certain things on your page through color alone you know you have to think about you know shape or think about another indicator another differential um, so don't just rely on color to make things different on your page because we have people who are color blind and won't be able to identify it um, other just quick things to think about when it comes to design uh, font Font's always a big one. Uh, the sans serif family, uh, it's widely regarded as being the most readable. So anything anything in there. And then uh, the WCAG guidelines talk about, um, talk about kind of like uh, font size 12 as a starting point. You, you know, so sans serif, font size 12. Okay, it might not fit kind of like your design expectations, but you know what? If there is a battle between, you know, personal preference when it comes to aesthetics and usability, surely you should come down on the side of usability. 
you know, uh, because otherwise you just you you kind of you're cutting cutting out your audience or you're cutting out uh, a fairly substantial uh, part of your audience. So that's something to think about in regards to those things. Things you know, easy things, easy things in the design stage that you can fix. Um, but we're going to go back to PDFs now because ugh, PDFs. Um, now it's not a perfect world, and I understand it's not a perfect world when it comes to higher education. Sometimes the only source of text, especially when it comes to things like key texts, are photocopies of um, pages of textbooks. Now, images of text are rubbish for assistive technology and screen readers and things because things like screen readers, they don't recognize an image of text as being text itself. There's no, it's a different, once again, going back to that labeling thing, it's a different process. It's an image. It's not actual text or the screen reader won't recognize it as text. So, and it's, to be honest, this kind of stuff should be, should be sorted out at source but as i say it's not a perfect well we we all we're all trying you know trying to do your best so if you have to use images of text what um often happens if the end user needs to um use a particular at with it is that they can go through a process of conversion of a file uh, for a pdf for instance using something called optical character recognition which means that you convert uh image the program identifies the image as being text and converts it into actual text, which that can be used then by the screen reader. Not, it's not an ideal situation. Really, shouldn't have to have an extra step for uh, a disabled user to access the information that you're giving them. But sometimes that is just what happens. So if you have to, and it's not best practice, but if you really have to have um, a photocopy of a page of a textbook or whatever it is of course thinking about copyright issues and such that's probably um that's a whole nother show there if you have those kind of issues um and you're making those photocopies yourself because uh, unfortunately things like uh, um, digital repositories still use images of text rather than text itself which is uh, you know, uh, some programs, some repositories used by libraries and HE use images of text, which is ridiculous in, in regards to accessibility. Um, but if you have to do it and you're creating these things yourself, it's about the clarity of the image when you scan it, put it through the photocopier, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's about making the image of the text as clear as possible. So if you're photocopying a page of a book, don't you know you have to get the book and you're trying to get the page that you need onto the scanning glass and it's difficult you're trying to bend the book around but if you say like if you have half of the previous page on the page that you photo that you scan screen reader doesn't recognize that what what's the most relevant information it will just simply read the words that are on there so it's something you have to consider uh make sure that the information that you want to have in your document is the only information that's there. Don't have half a page from somewhere else that's completely irrelevant that's just popped his head around and said, hello, I'm completely irrelevant, So, uh, but you know, include me anyway. Because the technology doesn't identify relevance, it just identifies what the text is after the conversion process. So if you do have to have kind of photocopies, 
just um, make sure the images of the pages of text are as clear as possible so there's a better chance of accurate OCR conversion and there's a better chance that that material will be able to be accessed uh, as I say it's not the ideal situation it's not the ideal uh, way around it's a workaround and you know you shouldn't have to rely on workarounds but um, it's sometimes the way it is uh yeah so that's uh you know these these things these these are not things that you know they take a little bit of thought they take a little bit of time and effort but if you do that in the design stages then you don't have to firefight and you don't have to come across or the people who are using this information these learning materials don't come up across this brick wall when they really need to access something that they need to access um with that in mind and talking about access and we're talking about how do we ensure that this stuff is accessible how do we ensure that our digital materials our digital learning schemes our via uh, you know our, our uh, websites our pages the things that we can download how do we ensure that those are accessible and you do that through testing and this is what i was talking about a little earlier on about conceptualizing and understanding the process that people have to go through to sometimes access the information that you're trying to make available to them. When people think of an end user um, or a student, um, it's it's very easy to be stuck in the mindset of someone who is able-bodied, someone who is who has a uh, who doesn't have a disability, doesn't have um, a cognitive issue, doesn't have ADHD, doesn't have um, color blindness, doesn't have mobility issues, doesn't have the whole range. Of things that many students and staff have, um, it's it's very diff it's very easy um, if you are uh, it's very easy to think of a typical user being very typical, and you got to get away from that kind of thinking. And testing is one of the ways that you can kind of get away from having this kind of this able-bodied I don't like the term but normalized version of a user you have to think outside the box because users are people and people are hugely varied and have um, uh, so many different facets to them so testing helps with this and it helps to kind of helps to overcome the lack of knowledge and conceptualization that sometimes many people who have uh, who, who develop and uh, you know we're not just talking educators we're talking people like web development and so on and so forth just the lack of conceptualization of um, a non-traditional user as it were and testing is one testing 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 i feel like i'm uh, trying to get a microphone to work um, so when we talk about those things we don't necessarily mean but it would be fantastic if uh, the institution that you work for has the money to buy in consultancy accessibility consultancy accessibility testers it's not always the case but it's a, it, it's great if you can do that bespoke accessibility testing gives you a real insight as to the advantages and the disadvantages of the things that you are producing they can give you knowledge that then can be taken on board by other members of staff um, and you know having a, an expert come in and say this is how somebody does this or this is how I access this thing you need to make sure that this is this particular way it's, it can be priceless for um, 
the, the initial outlay that you might have to give. However, if you haven't got that capacity in your institution, you have to think of other, you know, there's a range of free tools when it comes to accessibility testing out there. You know, there's a range of free tools. You can train staff. You can, you can, and, and you can use a combination of these things. So like a screen reader, you can download NVDA, which is a fully functional screen reader for free. Don't have to, it doesn't cost you a penny. And then you can use that in your testing process. Um, uh, Word has its own accessibility checker. It's built in. It's there, ready and waiting to be used. Um, you know, and you can use that to check for documentation that you're going to send out. Um, it's in the review tab, by the way, if you, if you don't already know, um, it's in the review tab, you press on the accessibility check and it gives you, doesn't just give you where you've gone wrong. It gives you the reasons as to why you've gone wrong. Um, and it references back to, uh, accessibility guidelines. Brilliant, brilliant tool, not just as a way to identify some of the issues you have, but identify and uh, and learn about some of the disadvantages that your documentation or your product or whatever it is that you're doing has when it comes to access. And it's free and it's there and it's, you can use it. It's great. It's amazing. You know, it's already there. Um, AXE, AXE, is a really good tool for checking accessibility. You know, um, these tools are readily available and because they're readily available, I don't think kind of like, oh, we don't really know, we don't really know how to, you know, we don't really know how to go about it. Learn, learn, for goodness sake. You know, Google free accessibility tools. It comes up with a list. You have a process where you're using that. Let staff members take some time to think about how people with disability will access the information that you're putting out there. You know, it's it's. In fact, we talk about inclusivity. We talk about inclusivity in education um, so much, and that should also be included. <laughs> included inclusivity. Sorry, that should also be part of your digital offer when it comes to learning materials, whatever that may be. I mean, not only is it kind of, uh, you know, the right thing to do. It reaches the wider audience. You know, there's litigation if you don't do it, but you know, does that? But you know, the, it does take some effort. People think, people, you know, people say, well, you know, yeah, it does. It, it does take effort to find the tools, but the tools are there. So you know, a, a quick Google search away. Uh, so when people say, oh, I don't really understand those, I learn, learn. Gosh darn it! You know, speak to disabled users. Yeah, I mean, your institution may have disabled users, and you you could ask them to do some testing for you. But do do not ask them just to volunteer. You know, they'll be providing a service, so offer them recompense for that service. It's not for disabled users to uh, sort your problems out. But if you if you want insight into how disabled people use technology ask the disabled people who use technology and if they give you answers then pay them you know it's not this it, i can't believe i have to say this but the amount of times that i've been in ha he institutions in particular are really bad for this and they're like oh we'll uh, we'll let uh, we'll let some of our students uh, some of our disabled students you know test this stuff let them they're doing you a favor dudes you know you pay them to give you a fantastic service that you may not get any other way.
you know yeesh yeah yeah um expecting people to do that kind of thing for free is uh disrespectful disrespectful at best <laughs> disrespectful at best you know um so testing 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 is incredibly important um to you know you can refer to the guidelines you can refer to the wcag guidelines um but also try to couple that with thought about the actual people that use these use the things that you're going to be creating or you've already created um how, make sure it's make sure you start with the human uh the human use rather than just ticking off a list i've said it before you know compliance does not necessarily equate to usability so testing is really important um uh having people who have to use assistive technology uh test your product is a great way of doing about it but if you if you don't if you can't do that if you can't source that there's free tools out there learn how a screen reader works you know learn how um speech to text technology works you know learn how these things that are used work and learn why they're used as well that's probably equally important um so yeah testing the free screen readers native screen readers you know um apple has their own voiceover screen reader it's built in it's free you can use it uh, microsoft have their equivalent you have these things in iphones and android phones they're there they're ready to be used use them for testing you know it doesn't it doesn't take very much at all um you know just keep you know, it means that you can kind of uh, all these things just keep tabs on things and uh, in a very very awkward segue speaking of tabs I mentioned it a little bit before but if um uh just the classic things when we talk about testing one one of the one of the kind of starting points when it comes to testing is something i call the tab test can your page be accessed in a logical fashion uh, can all the elements on your page be accessed in a logical fashion in a chronological fashion purely by keyboard input by pressing a tab and can, uh, every time you press a tab does it go to the place that it's supposed to do uh, you know is it make you making sure that you're getting the, the heading you're making sure that you're subheading you're making sure that any buttons there if they have a drop down menu the drop down menu itself has its own tab function you know it, you start start with the simple stuff and then that gives you an appreciation of what people have to go through to get to the same point that uh, other people who may not who don't have this ability um uh, take for granted you know um so yeah uh, that's that that's another uh, you know another easy win can you tab through your page logically and if not you got to fix it you got to fix it you got to you know um it's often the case that you'll you'll tab through to a certain part press the tab button you'll get to a certain part you won't be able to get to the to get to uh, the half of the page that has a button on it that means that you have to upload your answers to a test you know it's these kind of things it's these barriers um uh other let me think about other kind of fairly straightforward fairly simple things uh one of uh, pdfs again one of my biggest one of the biggest uh requests from students who i work with is um, simple changing of background color on a word document you can do that very easily in the design tab 
you don't have to do anything you go to the design tab and there's background color there's a specific button for it you can just press that change the background color wallet bob's your uncle no problem whatsoever um pdf's a little bit more difficult this is why alternative formatting is really important html you can change a little bit of code and add the different background color it's um it's not uh it's not ideal and it takes a little bit of knowledge uh, but it's, it's probably easier to do that than rely on a completely locked down pdf so that's something to take on board um uh you know Adobe has a, um, a color change function. Some versions of Adobe have a background color change function, but that only works if, as I say, if like the original PDF has been thought about accessibility-wise. Uh, and if it's rubbish, it's sometimes quite problematic. Um, so yeah, um, uh, speaking of alternative formatting, um, one of the reasons that alternative formatting is important is if you have, uh, say you have an informa information that's formatted to um, being viewed on a PC, um, that's not going to be the primary way that uh, many students view, uh, whether they have disabilities or not. It's not going to be the primary way that many of your students are going to use. Um, uh, for instance, um, a number of students who I work with, visual impaired and blind, um, uh, they use their smartphone as their primary screen reader now. Uh, way back, uh, not way back when, but uh, until recently, fairly recently, relatively recently, um, uh, JAWS was the industry leader and you have to sit down at the computer and PC and use it that way. Now um, uh, we have students using VoiceOver on their iPhones as their primary screen reader, primary way of accessing information. So you've got to make sure that, that information can adapt to different machines, so a tablet, mobile phone, PC, um, which is one of the one of the reasons why alternative formatting is important, because that kind of adaptation uh, for screens doesn't necessarily happen in certain file file formats such as PDFs. EPUB EPUB's really good at um, making sure that something is readable no matter what kind of uh, not no matter what kind of technology you're using. As is HTML, you know, have it as a web page. Um, just off the top of my head, one of the reasons that's important is if something formatting-wise doesn't work extremely well, things like magnification can be massively problematic. So not only are you disadvantaged by um, uh, the need to use magnification in the first place, but if you have to magnify something that's not formatted for a particular machine, then uh, you may be cutting out... Uh, a huge amount of essential information by trying to focus in on one thing. So yeah, that's some, that's that's something to think about. It's not necessarily uh, when you're designing these things. Don't necessarily think that uh, it's going to be fairly traditional PC um, usage. Mobile phones are smaller, lighter, and uh, more adaptable machines, and are often used with uh, people with disabilities as a primary way of accessing information. If you mean. As I turn the page of my notes here, uh, speaking as a technology bod, um, <laughs> I've got everything written down on uh, traditional. Actually, no, it's not traditional. It's one of my erasable uh, notepads. I love these things. You can just uh, uh, you can just write and then write and wipe. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, um, so I mentioned: Can your material be accessed by a range of digital tools and keep formatting? integrity very important very important 
um, simple stuff like uh, using alt text when it comes to images and documentation or on web pages. People, it's one of the, it's another one of those things um, that people get hung up on. Uh, you know, okay, so we have to provide alt text. You know, how much detail is enough? How much detail is too much detail? Um, there's fairly simple kind of standard things you need to think about when you're providing alt text. Alt text, by the way, is a description of an image on a screen. So in a Word document, if you have a picture, uh, use a screen reader. Um, alt text, instead of just identifying the picture as a picture, alt text will, uh, will replace that identification picture with a description of the picture itself. And uh, it's it's a fairly it's also another another one of those easy wins. It's fairly straightforward to add alt text to a document. It's a right click on a word document, PDF, same sort of thing. When you're building those uh, web pages, once again, same thing. You know, alt text, easy peasy, to um, you know find the facility. A little bit more complicated when you're thinking about the detail of how much you need to put in. To an image, there's a, you know, I mean, I'm only speaking from personal experience. There, I mean, there's people have written lots of stuff and have written some really good guidelines about detail when it comes to old text. You know, how much do you put in? Is is the image essential to the understanding of a document, and so on and so forth. Once again, it's a Google away, guys. Um, but uh, general rules um, when I'm doing staff training. You've got to let your detail of your description be guided by the importance of the image. It's, it, it's that simple. So if your image, if your image is, is purely decorational, is that a word? Decorational? Anyway, if your image is just a decoration, you don't need you don't, and it has no specific link to any information on the page. You don't need to offer, offer a description. You may want to think about why it's on there, to be honest. Um, but you know, you know, each to their own. Uh, but if, uh, say, say an image is uh, is essential to the understanding of a piece, perhaps. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, like a GCSE uh, language paper where you have to write a response to an image. Uh, the detail has to be um, extensive, and you just go by that. Okay, you think to yourself, okay, how important is this image? The more important, the more detail that I need. It's, it's very, you know, it's quite. It's, I think about this as being common sense, but people do get nervous about, you know, the the kind of limits, or they do want to have these specific guide guidelines, and there are specific guidelines that exist. But I think sometimes if you just stop and think, and you think, okay, um, I won't be able to see this image. What information from the image do I need to convey to ensure that there's understanding of this document? You know, that's that, that's all it is. Um, and then you go by that. So, yeah, I, and adding alt text is oh super easy peasy now. Uh, never used to be the case, but it is now. So, there's, there's, you know, there's there, there's no excuse not to do it at all. Absolutely, there's no excuse not to offer alt text and images. But it's just about how much detail do you offer. And just use your common sense, you know. Use your common sense, have a think, conceptualize somebody who won't be able to see the image and go from there. So those are some uh, very rapid hints and tips uh, when it comes to this particular, uh, this particular subject. Um, uh, I want to, uh, uh, speaking as my cynical 
self and my historical my historical uh, um, dipping of toes into the dark side of technology consultancy. Here's a really big tip for you, uh, guys. Um, for the love of all that's holy, check the accessibility claims of third-party products before you buy in. It's um, it's going back to the idea that you know uh, uh, compliance isn't necessarily usability, and you know if I'm going to be honest, there are companies out there who are um, a little less than incredibly moral. So. As you would do with anything, check your product. Don't necessarily, and I've, I, I see this quite a lot, and I don't really understand why. They're like, um, there's a certain deference to companies that um, produce learning materials or uh, technology companies that produce particular apps, particular ways of working, so on and so forth. And there's kind of a deference to, uh, you know, um, check that stuff. You know, if they've got an accessibility statement, check that they are actually, that it's true. You know, this is not the case of 99.9% of companies. But, you know, business is business. You're trying to, if you're trying to sell a product, then, you know, sometimes bold claims uh, filter their way into your sales pitch. Um, you shouldn't buy anything before checking yourself uh, when it comes to accessibility. You know, some of the wording and some of the accessibility statements um so like, oh, it, it works with screen readers. No, it works with one screen reader, you know, or um, it, it does this or it does that. Just check. Do your due diligence, guys. Uh, do it before you buy it, you know. Do it before you buy it. Um, yeah, of course, you have to take on faith that you are getting a product that um, that does what it says it does, but still... You got to check, and you got to have and make sure you your institution checks. Um, don't just rely on what somebody says about their product. Accessibility is a is a, it's it's a complicated area, and if for instance if you work in an HE institution, you're going to have a wide range, a huge range of students with disability, a huge range of assistive technology um, used by those students. It's not going to be uniform. That's the other thing as well. There's something I've not touched upon, um, not in this, not in this show anyway. But I have done in the past. You know, assistive technology use is not uniform. It used to be. It used to be a very limited series of, very limited number of products. Now it's not. It's not at all. Uh, so um, check the statement that the accessibility statement um, that the company has. Um, if it doesn't have an accessibility statement, run, run a mile because, um, yeah. Uh, but check the claims that are made accessibility and check it in regard to real usage of your students or staff or whoever's going to be using it. Don't, you know, this is where the kind of compliance and the checklist thinking is only the start. You know, does it do this? Does it do that? And you think, oh, great, it's, it, does, it covers that. But what does that look like in reality? What does that look like for our disabled students and their use in a university setting or a school setting or a nursery school setting or whatever the setting is? Um, it's not just about compliance. It's about how real people use the product. Um, and that is many, many and varied in certain institutions because of a huge footfall and 
the happy diversity that many institutions have. So yeah, yeah so just, uh, I know I'm being cynical. I know I'm being cynical. Happily, um, I never worked with companies who, who had uh, so few scruples as to, uh, as to kind of try and mislead people. But you've got to, got to make sure that you do your own due diligence. And with that in mind, that means that you have to have an awareness of disability. You have to have an awareness of disability if you are going to guarantee um, uh, accessibility of digital resources. And you should. You should. Sometimes it sometimes it's surprising how much of a lack of awareness there is, but that goes back to kind of conceptualization of what is a student and so on and so forth, what is a member of staff. Um, so just uh, just think, just think, think a little bit away from, you know, think a little bit away from the traditional. Think about, you know, how are, how are these things accessed by disabled people? Um, how can you make it easier for these things to be accessed by disabled people? And, um, and don't think of these as a, an extra. Don't think of this as a, oh, you, this, this is an essential. It's a baseline. It's such a baseline, in fact, that it's, a, it's enshrined in law, ladies and gents. Um, so, you know, uh, stick and carrot once again. Um, uh, cupcake and baseball bat. I'm perfectly, perfectly fine using both. Um, but, but yeah. So, as as I said at the, at the beginning, you know, digital forms of learning, remote learning, or digital tools are often seen as the as the solution to accessibility. And uh, in some ways, and they are. Some ways, they're not. So you have to put the work in to make digital resources or any kind of digital learning um, products uh, accessible. And you should be putting that work in. If you're buying something in, that work isn't necessarily the creation of accessible material, but it's checking that the product is itself accessible. Um, and, and, and that's that, uh, you know, and if you're, if you're not doing that, you know that lack of, you know, lack of foresight, lack of care. Um, that's not that. That's not inclusive, is it? You know, that's not because because you because you haven't thought about uh, somebody who has to use a screen reader because you haven't thought about somebody who won't be able to see colours on a page. You haven't thought about somebody who um, who can't uh, you know can't read reams and reams and reams and reams of material without um, without uh, suffering a migraine all these things all the all this difference and that that's what it comes down to it's about catering for difference and if we can't do that in the educational sphere for goodness sake where, where, where do you do it you know we talk about inclusivity a lot we talk about it all the time but true inclusivity needs effort and it warrants effort um so what does that what does that effort look like the effort looks like in the effort looks like looks like testing accessibility testing having a not just having tools for testing but having a process of testing 
It's about the effort looks like being able to uh, uh, see non-traditional ways of doing things. The effort looks like not seeing these things as effort, as seeing these things as part and parcel of effective um, creation when it comes to digital learning materials. And I think if you if you kind of if you if you start from there, it it it's not effort. It's just basic, basic kind of uh, basic best practice. I always say this as well. I, I do, it's like I, I constantly repeat myself in these shows. I think it's something to do with the, the time of day, but you know, accessible practice is best practice. It's not just for disabled people. It's for people who um, don't have disabilities and it benefits everybody. You know, a range of uh, file formats for uh, documents and learning material mean that you're going to cover all your bases, whether people are disabled or not. Um, being able, uh, having captions and uh, uh, having captions Audio transcriptions of uh, transcriptions of audio, sorry, means that you're covering all your bases. And yeah, so yeah, why wouldn't you? You know, why wouldn't you? Um, as I said before, this this stuff is readily available. A lot of it is free. It's free. There's no price point. There's no price point. I, I find it amazing. The assistive technology in general is very expensive due to the limited market that it's selling to. So the price of products can sometimes be astronomical um, uh, when it comes to specialist ergonomic material, when it comes to um, uh, fairly uh, fairly complicated uh, one-off bespoke um, machinery and so on and so forth. But not this stuff that I've talked about today. This stuff's free. It's free. Yeah. I, I'm very tight. I love, I love free things. You know, uh, the transcription and dictation function, in word it's free uh, the accessibility checker it's free you know uh, for testing we've got native uh, speech to text text to speech in pretty much every um, operating system free you know uh, I talk about effort but there's very little effort in sourcing some of this stuff you know very le little effort um, there's things that should cost money as I've mentioned before uh, you know, um, hiring uh, disabled users to actually use the products uh, and, and ensure that the things that you're producing are accessible. Um, we've got a, this thing that I haven't really, uh, perhaps, and I touched on it when it talked about third party things. It's not necessarily down to the people within the institution to to um, who have a choice when it comes to design. That might not be the case. But if you do, ask the questions, you know, uh, you're using your, you know, your online portal. Can this online, is this online portal, uh, is, can this be used by everybody in our institution? And if not, why not? You know, why not? Um, in HE, uh, you know, well, it, you know, in society in general, we are not talking about a small percentage of people here. We're not, you know, um, in HE in my in my own institution, we're talking about ten to ten to twelve percent of the entire student body uh, who um, either identify uh, as disabled or who have a disability. That's not an that's not an substantial amount of people, guys. You know, um, 
And like any marginalized group, the lack of visibility um, often reflects itself in the inaccessibility of digital product. So, so if you really are, uh, if, if education really is inclusive, then that should be reflected when it comes to digital learning materials. It has to be because it's the law, but it should be because it's basically just being decent. Um, so uh, I am uh, going to uh, get off my soapbox. Um, I am uh, going to kind of just sum up some of the things. I wrote a load of stuff out for this one because I knew I'd be ranting. Um, I've tried not to focus on PDFs, uh, but I've probably failed terribly on that. I can't. Oh, oh. I'll tell you what, you know, speaking personally, uh, sorting chunky PDFs out is a large percentage of my working day. Shouldn't be, but it is. So I hate them. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, this is no fence sitting thing. I can't be doing with PDFs. Do my not. So when it comes to things like PDFs, try to provide alternative file formats. If you can't make sure that those PDFs are tagged, the tagging's logical, it's navigatable, it's chunked. Um, hyperlinks, make sure hyperlinks uh, are not just kind of click here. Make sure that they offer a description of where you're gonna be linking to so the uh, screen orientation is the best it can be. Um, caption your videos and use transcription for uh, audio so stream youtube word for the web otter all those things you can use to do that use styles in word because that means that the tagging thing isn't uh, as much of an issue uh, oh here's one that i the, this one just a little one if you're doing a bullet point in word okay just um put a full put a full stop at the end of the bullet point uh, sentence because then uh, there'll be a natural pause in the screen reading just little things like that you know just tiny just bits and bobs i mean i know about that because it's kind of my job to know about that but if you if if you start looking into this stuff it's it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating but anyway um uh yeah transcription Use styles in Word. Be consistent in all your materials. Make sure everything is the same. Make sure it's familiar, okay? Because that familiarity will be extremely useful in regards to navigation, in regards to making sure cognitive load when you are using a particular um, uh, learning material is um, is not huge. Um, uh, make sure when you design things, color contrast is important. Um, but you know there's no secret color contrast that works with everybody but just don't make make sure things stand out against each other especially if they're essential to the learning make sure color's not your only differential make sure that's different make sure color's not the only differential within a series of things because people are there are people who are colorblind sans serif is best bet font size 12 um, images of text are rubbish. Uh, try not to use them. If you have to use them, make them as clear as possible in PDFs. Uh, have a system for testing. There are free tools out there. Um, uh, consultants are good, but if you're going to use uh, people with disability to test your products, make sure that they are um, appropriately recompensed for their time and effort. 
um, little trick for ensuring that maybe um, your page is navigable by the keyboard is the the uh, the tap tapping. You know, you just make sure that everything that you need to be able to access can be accessed by pressing tab in a logical fashion. Background color. Uh, you can change the background color in the Word document very easily through the Design tab. Um, offer alternative formats to uh, files. Um, can your can your um, digital offer whatever that may be? Can it be accessed and easily read on a range of machines? Don't be too laptop PC focused. Um, alt texture images, guys. There's no excuse not to alt texture images nowadays. There isn't, um, and the description uh, should be reliant upon the importance of the image within the learning material. Um, and uh, check check accessibility claims. And that's it, ladies and gents. That's it. Um, that's all I've got. This is my job, and uh, I am one of those fantastically lucky and annoying people who absolutely love their job. Uh, I, I make no bones about it. Um, um, I find it fascinating. The people I work with are uh, brilliant. Um, the students I work with are brilliant. The staff that I work with are brilliant. I find the technology fascinating. I find the ways of working fascinating. Um, but you have to put the effort in. Uh, ensure that, guys, just ensure that your digital learning materials are accessible, um, not just because of the stick, but also because it's just the thing that you should be doing in general. Right then, thank you very much, ladies and gents. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day or night or wherever you are. And um, I will hopefully be speaking to you all again soon.